Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. It's time again for all you good listeners out there to have the special privilege of spending time with my friend and guest host for the day, Peterson Toscano of Citizens Climate Radio. Before I hand you over to him, I want to remind you to visit the northernspiritradio.org website to fill out our listener survey. It's short, and your feedback will be helpful in understanding what kind of programming will be useful to those hearing these programs, whether by regular radio broadcast, website, podcast, iTunes, or whatever. We'd like to know you so we can better address your needs and interests, and to help incentivize you, if you respond, we'll include you in a drawing for either $25 or a stellar assemblage of Northern Spirit Radio merchandise, like our Northern Spirit Radio t-shirts and tote bag. The link to the listener survey is found at northernspiritradio.org. But now it's time to hand you over to that talented, insightful, playful, and profound host for today's Spirit in Action program, Peterson Toscano, as he sits in for me today, exploring far and wide on the concern commonly known as climate change. Peterson does that with flair and clear vision, helping us truly understand the drama into which we are sailing. And I'm sorry about that terribly mixed metaphor, confusion that was probably also caused by climate change trauma. I'm thankful that Peterson Toscano could give me the day off and enrich all of us with his combination of research and art on climate change. Over to you, Peterson. It's great to be back on Spirit in Action. In the first half of today's show, you will learn about the mental health effects climate change has on us. Then you'll meet an artist who traveled to the Arctic and captured interesting, bizarre, and exotic sounds. In the second half of the show, I speak with Claire Vay Watkins, the celebrated novelist and the author of Gold Fame Citrus, a cli-fi novel. But first... I speak with two doctors about climate change and how it's affecting our mental health. In addition to the emotional stresses during more frequent and severe storms and heat waves, how does our own work as climate advocates affect our mental health? And what can we do to protect and care for ourselves so we don't get burnt out? Meet Dr. Lisa Van Susteren. An American psychiatrist with a practice in Washington, D.C., Dr. Van Susteren is a leading expert in looking at the psychological effects of climate change. It's actually a wonder I even got to speak with her, as Dr. Van Susteren is in high demand these days. Dr. Van Susteren speaks out a lot about climate change, and like many climate advocates, she has discovered she has a weird superpower. I can pretty much clear the room in a few seconds if I'm not careful. I can shut down a dinner party conversation. I'm, you know, I never had such power before to turn something off. So I have to be very careful and I have to kind of calibrate what I say. Sound familiar? Dr. Van Susteren has discovered effective techniques 
to keep the conversation going and to engage the listener. And one of the things that I do in speaking to people is I pretty much suggest that I believe that they already understand that climate change is a horrific, catastrophic force in our lives now, and it will be getting even worse. So that I kind of use as stipulated, and it's a way of kind of being persuasive, because when I take them as a partner and an equal, then they tend to be more responsive. So that's the key sort of number one step. Once she has someone's attention, Dr. Van Susteren reveals her passion and her concern about climate change. I then tell them of all of the physical impacts of climate change, as deadly and horrific as they are, it is really the psychological underpinning that I fear the most. People often ask me this question, how can a psychiatrist be involved in climate change? We are almost uniquely called for this. It's what we do every day. We talk to people when, about things they don't want to talk about that are uncomfortable, and we break down their resistance uh, calibrated to where they are so that they can look at the behaviors that might represent anxieties or conflicts or other things that are detrimental to their health and certainly to the health of the people around them and their communities, and will have repercussions down the road. Well, that's the essence of what warning people about climate change is. It doesn't take anything except a sentient human being with a sense of empathy to recognize that when your house has been burned down or the place where you live has been destroyed, blown away, or flooded, Uh, and you've lost your possessions, maybe your pets, certainly your community, and the sense of well-being or the belief that you are in a secure, safe world, think about what that does to us emotionally. You know, we're not just a series of mechanical reactions. But yes, we are seeing uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. We're seeing generalized anxiety. We're seeing depression. We're seeing a rise in alcohol and drug addiction to try to uh, use, to try to cope with the problem. We're seeing domestic violence. And people are busy writing all this down in some places after Katrina. And this is all well and good because we need these numbers. But all it really takes is a little bit of compassion. And empathy to recognize that When people are being given a world that is no longer livable or is barely livable or now has so much adversity, so many challenges, that it is so difficult that, of course, they are going to have an emotional, um, there's going to be psychological harm and an emotional toll. It doesn't take a study to understand what that will feel like. Like many people concerned about climate change, Dr. Van Susteren has strong feelings about what is happening right now. She also has suggestions about how to manage those emotions. Sometimes I am so angry and in such, I'm going to say the word despair, and that bouncing between those emotions and then on the other side of the spectrum is the sense that we can hear the world waking up. 
We know the engine has turned on. Where the machine is perhaps not moving as quickly. We know it's not moving as quickly as we need it to be, and there's so much adversity. But we can feel the sense of hope that people are beginning to wake up. But when I'm angry and when I'm in despair, there are a certain number of things that I do. And one is that I really have to knock it into my head that we're not alone. And that's why I think of everyone together, listening, working, listening here, working together as a source of to offset that anger. I also know from neuroscience that when we get away from what we call the me, de- me definer, the sense of self, and we start working with others, that that part of being involved in something bigger gives us a sense almost of awe that brings the sense of purpose and meaning and gives us the energy to go forward. As a climate advocate, no doubt, you live with a lot of anxiety about our uncertain future. While the general public appears unwilling to engage in serious conversations about climate change, under the surface there may be a growing well of anxiety. Anxiety often is the result of knowing something in your heart that you don't yet know in your mind. I don't believe for one second that on some level everybody isn't deeply anxious about climate change. You can't push it away. What you do is you simply bury it. And that's one thing that a psychiatrist will tell you. There's no pushing away anxiety. It only gets shoved into a crevice and it becomes a whole part of that dark pool of a feeling that the world is not right. So there is no such thing as pushing it away. It's only bearing it along with financial problems and all of the other problems of everyday life that add to this sense of despair and to a feeling that that safety is slipping from our fingers. The more powerfully we deny reality, the more likely we embed it deep in our psyche and it causes us anxiety and we try to repress it. Dr. Van Susteren suggests connecting with other people is a powerful, helpful psychological tool. The sense of kinship that um, I know we feel is such a source of comfort and an energizing force in my life when I start to feel the inevitable emotions that are not comfortable. Summoning the hope that we are doing everything that we can now and that on an individual basis, on a collective basis, we are working to do what we can is that bright light and that it calls upon us in this generation, therefore, to do everything we can to show that we are taking this with every bit of seriousness as it warrants. I want to bring in another voice of someone who has been speaking out about health and mental health issues connected with climate change. Dr. Natasha Dejanet is no stranger to Citizens Climate Radio. She first appeared in Episode 6, Health, Climate, and Community. That's our most popular episode to date. Dr. Dejanet is a policy analyst in environmental health at the American Public Health Association, Her areas of expertise are around air quality and climate change. 
part of her job is to educate leaders on how they can better protect their communities. Dr. Dejanet was thrilled to hear I chatted with Dr. Vensustrin. She's the true expert on this. I've had the privilege of hearing her speak on this a few times now. It gets really personal because it is. It, it affects us. It affects our, our families in such in a personal way. But it also affects our communities and our states and our nation and the world as a whole. I asked Dr. Dejanet about climate change and mental health. In our discussions on prioritizing mental health as it pertains to climate change, what we have at, at the American Public Health Association have worked to consciously do is switch the focus from mental illness or the terminology of mental illness towards that of mental wellness and well-being in this changing climate. In a moment, we will talk about how climate advocates like you face psychological impacts from climate change and the work we do. You will hear what you can do to care for yourself. First, though, let's dig into the mental health and wellness issues associated with climate change, especially in regards to extreme weather events. It's been almost 13 years since Hurricane Katrina hit the USA, and we are still learning about how that one storm affects people even today. Because of the timing and the time since Hurricane Katrina, there's much data and information out there. And so now there's data out there that's saying, you know, what we saw on TV, the images and the things that we said, man, how, how, how does one move past seeing and witnessing and experiencing that? Then we're, we're now seeing numbers come in that are saying that after Hurricane Katrina, there is increased anxiety, PTSD, and, and there are concrete numbers that support this now. For Katrina itself, there have been reports that nearly half of the survivors, about 49% of survivors of Hurricane Katrina, developed an anxiety or mood disorder following the storm. And then also one in six people from Hurricane Katrina developed post-traumatic stress disorder. Also reports have shown that suicide or suicidal ideation or suicide attempts more than doubled after Hurricane Katrina as well. And then there's another study of women living in temporary housing that were displaced from Hurricane Katrina. It was found among this group that suicide attempt or completion was increased 78.6 times the regional average at the time. Research reveals that evacuation is key, not only in saving lives, but in promoting mental wellness. The data actually shows that the sooner and further you evacuate as a natural disaster approaches, the better your mental health outcomes are, regardless of the, the destruction. Of course, not everyone has the means and resources to do so. In addition to big storms like Katrina, Harvey, and Maria, extreme heat events can be deadly for some. Heat waves also increase mental health risks. Extreme heat causes many problems as it is, as it pertains to heat stroke and other heat-related illness, but it also poses an even heavier burden on those with pre-existing mental health conditions. So Alzheimer's and schizophrenia tend to consistently show increased risk when extreme heat events happen. 
One study that looked at six different case control studies, it was about 1,065 people that ultimately died due to heat-related illness. And it found found that specifically pre-existing mental illness tripled the risk of death due to heat wave exposure. And very unfortunately, those that use psychotropic medications, they have a concrete risk factor for heat-related death. Extreme heat events and big storms are inevitable, but communities are not helpless in facing these threats. It's really important that we have social ties and connections with our community. That also helps. It's actually one of the most disruptive parts of a natural disaster is that when people relocate, they lose their social ties. But in these times of extreme weather, it is those social connections with the community members that help us to withstand change. And it also encourages adaptation to climate change impacts. Having those social ties can actually help guard against these indirect impacts. Because if you're having a diminished sense of self and you're having difficulty connecting with others, the social ties will be able to withstand that. You'll have a neighbor that's going to come and look out for you. And even bonding over unfortunate experiences with someone that truly understands, even that helps. And what about climate advocates? What are some of the psychological risks and challenges we face What can we do to protect ourselves and promote our mental wellness? It certainly is a heavy burden when when we are armed with this information that we know that 97% of scientists agree that climate change is happening now. And then there's inaction on one side. And so we know that it's happening. We're seeing the destruction. We're watching the storms play out on TV or we're living through them. And there's inaction or people that are saying this isn't real. It's heavy. And it does actually cause people to have anxiety. It even causes a diminished sense of self and it increases our stress. That is something that's very difficult to overcome. Public health professionals are similar, but we truly have to practice what we preach. We cannot be of help to others if we ourselves don't protect our health in the process. And we need to stay positive. That is a tall order. Dr. Dejanet has disciplined herself to be honest about the threats, but also courageous about taking them on. We can get really weighed down with the doom and gloom, especially as it pertains to climate change. We, we see the risk. We, we see the declines in health. We know that this is happening. We know it's happening now. And we know that there's an urgency to mitigate and to adapt to the health impacts of climate change. And so what we practice is more of focusing on framing things more so in the positive instead of just saying that climate change is the greatest threat to public health. It's also the greatest opportunity to protect public health. Taking action on climate change is the greatest opportunity to protect public health. And framing things in the positive not only helps the practitioner that's delivering this information, it certainly helps the audience that is there to receive this information. The urgency is still there, but really it's a great, great opportunity for the public health community. 
We are running a marathon. As climate advocates, we need to find ways to make our life and work sustainable. Perhaps the most important thing I've learned in taking care of myself is that I cannot do it alone. I need you. We need each other. Dr. Van Susteren stresses this aspect of self-care. What we do as a community is how we create this, the feeling of resilience. And we know, studies have shown, that we go, when we go from an intense, ruminative focus on ourselves that uh, ends up being dead end, uh, focusing just on ourselves, I don't mean our carbon or planetary footprint, but on our own lives, that it's a dead end and it's deadening. And that in contrast, when that part of the brain is quieted down and we start thinking about collective action and what we can do to be a part of something bigger, that it inspires this feeling of awe about 